pain has reached epidemic proportions in America. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. This is Aches and Gains. Dr. Paul Christo is one of America's leading experts on relieving pain. He's board-certified, Harvard-trained, and a pain medicine specialist at Johns Hopkins. U.S. News & World Report ranks him as a top doctor and among the top 1% in the nation for pain management. Becker's Review selected him as one of the 70 best pain management physicians in America. He's listed as a super doctor for the Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Northern Virginia area. Aches and Gains is a weekly talk show covering all aspects of pain and pain relief. The human impact is real. Older adults, children, and even infants struggle to cope with pain. But there's hope, and there are treatments that can ease pain and suffering. The show offers compelling stories about people who've found relief. We share cutting-edge treatments from contributing experts, and we offer ways to help people cope with their pain. Welcome to the show. When we experience low back pain, we often attribute it to lifting, pushing, or pulling something we shouldn't. There can be many causes of low back pain that range from disc herniation or degeneration to muscular and ligament strain. It's not surprising then that low back pain ranks as one of the top three most common pain conditions. What is surprising and rather scary though, is that low back pain or pain in general can be one of the first symptoms of cancer. Brittany Daniel, TV and film actress known for her role on The Game experienced just that. Her first symptom of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma was worsening low back pain. Non-Hodgkin's lymphoma is cancer that develops in the cells of the lymph system, like the lymph nodes, bone marrow, or spleen. The lymph system is a vital part of the immune system and helps rid the body of toxins. Brittany shares how she overcame the pain from the lymphoma, cancer treatments, and surgery. It was a long process, but she's cancer-free today. Dr. Nina Wagner, oncologist and lymphoma expert from the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, then joins us. She'll take us through how pain can present in non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and give us an overview of the risks, symptoms to be aware of, and current treatments. Aches and Gains is supported by Teva Pharmaceuticals, the pain community, and Boston Scientific. For live online listening to Aches and Gains, please go to paulchristomd.com. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. Brittany Daniels starred opposite her twin sister on the 1994 teen drama Sweet Valley High. For several years, she was a star of the comedy drama series The Game. Let's welcome her to the show. Brittany, welcome to Aches and Gains. Thank you for having me. Now that the comedy drama series The Game has ended, what are you involved in? I've been doing a recurring role on Blackish, mm-hmm. the television show, mm-hmm. and I have a twin sister. We used to work on a TV show called Sweet Valley High together a number of years ago, and now we're actually in the work putting together an unscripted and a scripted show right now. So you might be seeing us on a travel show. That's something we're pitching right now. Oh, fantastic. I look forward to that. Now, Brittany, you were diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma in 2011. Where was it located? So I had stage four, and so at that point, um, it really had spread all over my body, all over the majority of my body. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, But the main mass that they found was on my sacrum around that area. So that is where I was experiencing most of my pain. And pain was, I believe, the first symptom that you experienced. What other symptoms were you having before the diagnosis was made? started with low back pain. And I remember coming back from the gym one day and I had a really hard workout. 
and fell asleep. And then in the middle of the night, I just started feeling this like really dull, like kind of pulsating pain in my low back that I'd never experienced before. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was because I had a hard workout. Maybe I tweaked my back. And then over the course of the next several months, it just kept getting worse and worse. In the beginning, it would only come on in the middle of the night. And it felt almost like this heartbeat, kind of like pulsating feeling. Mm-hmm. And then it just kept getting worse and worse. And the pain was <laughs> like the worst pain I've ever experienced in my life. Um, what did you do? I think after a couple months, I finally went and saw a chiropractor. So I was like, okay, <laughs> I don't know. I can't get rid of this pain. <laughs> right. And then he really couldn't do much with me because I was in so much pain. And then he sent me to an orthopedic surgeon and I got an MRI. And they actually only scanned down part of my spine, and kind of the long story short of that is they missed the mass, and so they saw on the scan was a slightly herniated disc. What'd you do? I was kind of treating myself for that for a couple of months, thinking it was that. The pain would not, it just kept going and going, and then I started getting flu-like symptoms after mm-hmm. a couple of months of that. Okay. And I thought it was during flu season. My doctor included thought that maybe I had the flu, and I was dropping weight, things like that. The pain just got really unbearable. I finally went and got another MRI where they scanned down my entire spine. And in that process, they found out that they were pretty sure that I had cancer. Mm -hmm. And they said, we need you to go to the hospital. And we need to do more tests and a biopsy. And then they determined it was non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Brittany, once they scanned throughout the entire spine, including the sacrum, what did they find there? I mean, had the lymphoma spread to the bone marrow? It was not in the bone, no. I mean, it was a mass that formed on top of my sacrum. Okay. Some patients will report pain in the chest and abdomen. How about you? Yeah, I actually did. A few months before the low back pain, I had some pain in my stomach area. Mm-hmm. At the time, I wasn't connecting the dots. I went to go see um, a gastro doctor. We weren't able to really determine what was going on with me at that time. Um, but I think you're right. I think that they were linked. Right. You know, back pain is certainly one of the top three most common pain conditions. A lot of us develop back pain at some point during our lives. What was different about the pain associated with a lymphoma compared to the pain that you had in the past? The pain would shift and move around my back. So it would be pain on one on the right side of my sacrum, and then it would move to the left side, and, and then my, my right side was fine. And then it kept like shifting around, and then it would eventually move out into my hips. So I was like, I don't understand this. Like, if I have a slightly herniated disc, why do I have pain that just keeps moving around my low back? The next phase was it started shooting down my right leg and into my foot. I literally think back and I go, I don't know how I got through that pain. It was just so unbearable. But I. What did you do to make it bearable? One of the things that I did use that was helpful was biofreeze. I mean, it didn't make it go away, but I felt like it kind of calmed it down a little bit. Mm -hmm. That I would soak in a hot bathtub, things like that. And Brittany, what finally got you to the doctor? I just literally actually couldn't take the pain anymore. My teeth were chattering. I was in so much pain, like uncontrollable pain. Wow. I mean, it sounds awful. Did the lymphoma spread to lymph nodes in other parts of your body and cause pain elsewhere? Like my pelvic area and up in my chest. Um, and obviously my lymph nodes, um, but yeah, mainly kind of like my torso area and my chest and low back. Okay. You know, the workup to diagnose non-Hodgkin's lymphoma can include things like bone marrow biopsies, lymph node biopsies, or even spinal taps. Right. Did you undergo any of those? And if so, how painful were they? Oh yeah. Bone marrow biopsy. That was probably the most painful thing I've ever experienced. Yeah. Uh, I think they offered to put me under for it, but we needed to find out the answer really quickly. 
So I didn't have any pain medication for that. Typically, the oncologist will inject local anesthetic, like Novocaine, for example, through the soft tissue to numb up that area before the needle is placed into the bone. Uh, Brittany, did you require any surgery? Uh, Laparoscopic surgery, because they were concerned about the swollen lymph nodes in my stomach, abdomen area. Mm -hmm. Um, But then they determined that I was okay. Oh, that's great. Now, was that painful? Oh, my God, yes. So they they did the laparoscopic, but then they also had to cut me open a little bit too to remove some stuff. So that was, um, yeah, that was very painful <laughs> to go through that. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Now, postoperatively, did they offer you a PCA pump whereby you can press a button to deliver morphine, for example, intravenously for pain control? Yes, that's what I had. So it was helpful. What helped me the most was oxycodone for like my low back pain because even while I was going through the treatments, I still was in excruciating pain. Mm-hmm. And once they gave me oxycodone for the first time, once they figured out that I had cancer, I literally felt like I was the biggest relief of my life because <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had been in so much pain for so long. Yeah. That was the only thing that really worked for me. Well, although there's a controversy now related to the use of opioids, specifically for non-cancer pain, for cancer pain, opioids can be life-saving, no question about it. Now, Brittany, pain can also be due to cancer treatments, like surgery that we just talked about, radiation, or even chemotherapy. Now, you had chemotherapy, didn't you? Yes, I did R-TROP with Rituxan. Mm-hmm. You're right. I experienced um, neuropathy in my feet. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm still dealing with it, but it's so much better. It's just a feeling of, like, this numb, which you would think, okay, if your foot's numb, you're not going to be in pain, but it's, like, this numb, painful feeling. It's what I would imagine it would be kind of like if you were to get frostbite where you're, like, you're numb, but it hurts. What I experience still today is that kind of numb painness, but then off my balance is a little off because I notice that I can't feel my toes as well as I'd like them to, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have you used any medications to help treat the neuropathic pain in your feet? I think it was on gabapentin, and then, but I noticed with the gabapentin caused me to gain weight. Mm-hmm. And then once I clued into that, I moved to Topamax. Now, both gabapentin and Topamax are considered anti-epileptic medications that can be quite effective for neuropathic pain. Which was more effective for you, Brittany? I think they're about the same level of effectiveness. Uh-huh. Some patients tell me that the effects of chemotherapy are worse than the cancer. What was your experience? The chemotherapy causes so many other problems in your body. It definitely strips you of everything. Yeah, it certainly does. The chemotherapy, though, can be quite effective in relieving pain. For example, uh, back pain from the enlarged lymph nodes around the aorta, or if the vena cava is obstructed, or if there's spinal cord compression. How quickly after chemotherapy started, did you find that your low back pain got better? I don't think it went away completely, but I felt like it decreased a lot Uh within the first couple months. I I responded pretty quickly to chemo. Every time they would do a scan, they would show me that it was decreasing by a lot. And they told me, too, when I got the cancer, they're like, okay, of all the cancers you're going to get, this would be the one that you want to get. I was like, what? (laughs) Because they have such advanced medication for non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And they said, either you'll respond to it immediately or not at all. Luckily, I responded immediately to it. You're really fortunate. And I think that's because you had an aggressive form of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma called large B-cell lymphoma. Brittany, it was fantastic having you on the show today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It was really nice talking with you. Please join us for part two, when we go much more in-depth about the methods that Brittany used to get her through the pain and discomfort of chemotherapy. 
Up next is Dr. Nina Wagner, oncologist and lymphoma specialist from the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Teva, a leading global pharmaceutical company committed to increasing access to high-quality health care by developing, producing, and marketing affordable generic medicines, as well as innovative and specialty pharmaceuticals. If you have any questions or comments for Dr. Christo, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. That's achesandgains at gmail.com. Dr. Nina Wagner is an associate professor, Department of Oncology, Division of Hematologic Malignancies at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. She's a lymphoma expert and has written extensively on non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Dr. Wagner, welcome to Aches and Gains. Thank you. Our first guest, Brittany Daniel, was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Could you give us an overview of what that is? Sure. So non-Hodgkin lymphoma is a little bit of a generic term because non-Hodgkin lymphomas comprise about 50 different types of cancer, all lymphomas. Lymphomas in general are cancers of the lymph nodes. Mm -hmm. So essentially, this is a a type of cancer of the lymph nodes. Now, Nina, the non-Hodgkin's lymphomas can develop in other parts of the body, though, can't they? They can present in organs, in the bones. It it sort of depends on their manifestation, and and they can be present in any location in the body. What affects our risk for developing non-Hodgkin's lymphoma? So there are few known risks, uh, principally are comprised of having a severe immunosuppressed state. Mm -hmm. So, for example, those individuals with HIV are at higher risk for some of the aggressive lymphomas. Patients who undergo kidney transplants, liver transplants are at higher risk for certain types of lymphomas. But in most cases, we really don't know why people develop lymphoma. Well, how about autoimmune diseases like uh, rheumatoid arthritis or psoriasis? That is true. Again, for certain subtypes of lymphoma, there there has been an association, again, that probably has to do with the immunosuppressed state. Um, mm-hmm. Similarly, though, I mean, it, it's hard to know sometimes whether or not it's really the autoimmune disease right. that's predisposing to the lymphoma versus the actual treatment of the autoimmune disease. And, and certain therapies have also been associated with, with lymphoma. So some of the immunosuppressant drugs used to treat autoimmune illnesses have been associated with lymphoma. Okay, how about older age? Yes, for certain types of lymphomas. So in general, uh, many of the lymphoma subtypes are associated with an older age. So yes. And being male or Caucasian? Absolutely. Dr. Wagner, are there any screening tests that we should be aware of? Not really. I think, you know, in the next several years that may change. We have come up with a blood test that can be used for tracking lymphoma. It has not been widely used and it's not used for screening for lymphoma. So at this point in time, we really don't have a tool to screen for lymphoma. Well, I hope that does change. Now, how often is pain a symptom of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma? You know, it it really depends on the location of the disease. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if you have disease that's in the bone, it's fairly common for uh, the presentation to include pain. If the mass is very large and sort of pressing on, on organs, then similarly you can have have pain as a manifestation of the disease. Mm -hmm. Now, Brittany Daniel mentioned that her first symptom of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma was severe back pain. If that mass was sort of pressing on a vertebrae or if the mass is in, you know, a vertebral bone, then it's really not uncommon to see back pain as, as a presenting symptom. 
Sure. And because the lymphatic system is so widely distributed throughout the body, lymphoma can present, for example, with back pain. Uh, It can cause the spinal cord to be compressed and lead to neuropathic pain. It could cause gastrointestinal pain if presenting in the stomach and even cause headaches if presenting in the brain. Nina, what are the typical symptoms of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma? 10 to 15% of individuals will present with something that we call B symptoms, Mm -hmm. which are defined as fevers, drenching night sweats, and weight loss. Those are some of the classic symptoms that are associated with lymphomas. Uh, Oftentimes, patients will present without any symptoms. Um, You know, you you find the, the disease sort of incidentally because of another procedure. Okay. Now, Nina, talk to us about the staging of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Uh, For instance, our previous guest, Brittany, was diagnosed with stage 4. What does that mean? The staging system is actually relatively simple. If there's one area of lymph nodes involved, it's stage 1. If there are two areas of lymph nodes involved on the same side of the diaphragm, it's stage 2. In contrast, if there are lymph nodes above and below the diaphragm, it's stage 3. And if the disease involves organs outside of lymph nodes, it's stage four. Mm-hmm. So for our guests, the, the staging of four would indicate that her disease is outside of lymph nodes. Right. And then we tack on the letters either A or B based on whether or not there are symptoms, the symptoms that I had described, fevers, drenching night sweats, or weight loss. So if there are symptoms, mm-hmm. then the letter B follows the stage. If there aren't symptoms, sort of an absence of symptoms, we tack on the letter A. Okay. Now, are patients more likely to experience pain if non-Hodgkin's lymphoma spreads? If it's stage 4 disease, that's suggesting that there's disease outside of the lymph nodes. So certainly if that's bone involvement, then we do frequently see pain associated with that. Interestingly, lymphoma is unlike a lot of the other uh, malignancies out there where even when we define somebody as having stage 4 disease, we actually don't use the word metastasis. I mean, this is sort of a blood cancer. It's a lymphatic cancer. And so the fact that it's stage 4 doesn't mean it's metastasized. It has spread, but it doesn't... um, and sort of in lymphatic tissue in that organ, mm-hmm. basically. So it's sort of a different construct in that regard. It is, indeed. Can you be cured if diagnosed with stage 4 non-Hodgkin's lymphoma? I think you'll be really surprised to hear the details. Coming right up after the break, I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by The Pain Community, a web-based nonprofit created by people living with pain. Check out paincommunity.org for information, references, advocacy tools, and a premium section to securely interact with other members in forums and chat rooms. Boston Scientific, a leader in microelectric implantable technologies used to treat chronic neuropathic pain. Welcome back. We're here with Dr. Nina Wagner, lymphoma specialist and oncologist from the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. Nina, if you're diagnosed with stage 4 non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, is that treatable or not? Many people with aggressive lymphomas that have stage 4 disease, the goal is cure, whereas many solid malignancies when we're talking about stage 4 disease that has metastasized, unfortunately, there is very infrequently the opportunity for cure in that scenario. It's a very different type of cancer in that regard. It really is. I mean, the difference can be big and more shifted toward greater survival rates. 
Dr. Wagner, talk to us about the typical treatments for non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, like chemotherapy, radiation, immunotherapy, for example. Chemotherapy is one of the mainstays of treatment, and I should say combined with immunotherapy. And, and that, again, speaks to the nature of the disease involving the lymphatic system. And simply radiating one area is not considered sufficient. And it, even when we're giving radiation, that's almost always in combination with either chemotherapy along with immunotherapy or immunotherapy alone, because we have to imagine that even though we may see the disease in one location, that the lymphatics are all connected. And so there could be a few cancer cells that have sort of started to circulate Mm -hmm. within that lymphatic system. And so chemotherapy treats all of the disease as opposed to sort of a targeted treatment like radiation. Now, with respect to targeted treatment, you mentioned immunotherapy. Would you describe that for us? Immunotherapy is um, a therapy specifically in lymphoma that we're using where we're targeting the lymphoma cells. So unlike chemotherapy, which sort of blindly treats all of the cells, including cancer cells and healthy cells, the immunotherapy is really only targeting those cancer cells. Okay, great explanation. How responsive now is non-Hodgkin's lymphoma to treatment? For example, Brittany Daniel is cancer-free today, and she was stage 4. Roughly speaking, we separate lymphomas out into very aggressive, aggressive, and indolent or slow-growing. Those that are aggressive tend to be very responsive to chemotherapy because those cancer cells are rapidly dividing. And what chemotherapy is doing is it's targeting rapidly dividing cells. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes, the more aggressive lymphomas respond very well to chemotherapy. Even in the slow-growing lymphomas, many times they will respond to chemotherapy as well and go into a complete remission. Sometimes, though, what we see for some of the slower-growing lymphomas is that that remission duration may not be durable to get to the point of a cure. You know, six years later, that slow-growing lymphoma may recur. That doesn't mean that it's not treatable again and that you couldn't achieve a remission again. It's just that it it does have a relapsing nature as opposed to some of the more aggressive cancers that after a number of years of being in remission, we expect to achieve a cure. Right. And that's why it seems in general, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma leads to better survival rates than, for example, the solid tumors like uh, pancreas, uh, liver, or gallbladder. Now let's switch gears and talk about the treatments associated with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma that can lead to pain. And let's start with chemotherapy. Occasionally, uh, patients will experience some pain with the administration of chemotherapy as those masses are starting to to shrink. I wouldn't say that's all that common. Mm -hmm. Some of the chemotherapies do cause specific side effects of neuropathy, which is a numbness and tingling of the fingers and toes. Mm -hmm. That's one of the more common pain syndromes that I've seen associated with chemotherapy. And in your experience, which chemotherapeutic agents typically cause neuropathic pain? Microtubulin inhibitors are one class of medications that frequently cause neuropathy, as well as taxanes and platinum drugs. Mm -hmm. And among those classes of chemotherapeutic agents that lead to neuropathic pain, does it typically resolve or do you see chronic pain developing? Many individuals have resolution of that neuropathy. 
And, and it can take numerous months to fully resolve. But unfortunately, there are some individuals that are bothered by the neuropathy for years, and, and that neuropathy can be permanent. That's true, and it is very unfortunate. Dr. Wagner, it was great having you on the show today. Thank you very much. Thank you for the time. We have much, much more to discuss and to cover, so please join us for part two. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. The views and opinions expressed in this radio program are solely the views of Dr. Paul Christo and do not necessarily express the views of this radio station and Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, nor an endorsement by any or all of them of any of its content. This show provides medical information, not advice. Please consult your personal physician before engaging in any course of treatment or use of any of the techniques or products discussed on this show. Discussion of particular uses of products on this show have not been approved by any of the manufacturers of such products. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Aches and Gains is produced by Tom Blair and Ty Ford. Elsa Langford is the technical consultant and engineer. Dr. Paul Christo is the executive producer. Thanks for listening. This is Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo.